show number 87 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Welcome, listeners. <laughs> it all sounds so professional, doesn't it? When we yes. actually sit down to record it, even though mere moments before we're like scrambling to get the microphones <laughs> hooked up and taking a last drink of soda. And, and Trying to find the thing we want to talk about, yeah, yeah. And yet it all comes together at that magic moment. That's the miracle of showbiz. <laughs> That's the show in showbiz. Show business, that biz we call show. Yes. <laughs> Um, so what do you want to do first? We've got a bunch of stuff. Well, let's talk a little more about Kingdom of the Spiders. Let's talk about that because we wanted to do something and it didn't work. Right. Um, we wanted to interview Stephen, the person yes. who, the founder of this holiday. <laughs> and that didn't quite work out. But Stephen sent us a great write-up about it. And we're hoping we are going to do an interview with yeah. him maybe after his big 10th anniversary Kingdom of the Spiders Day celebration. So, so May 19th, Kingdom of the Spiders Day. That's right. Okay. But here is uh, what he has to say about how this mm-hmm. came about or... Whatever. Anyway, I have always been a Shatner fan and in 1998 found a VHS copy of Kingdom of the Spiders at a local store. That's really the best way to watch it, I think, is on a crappy used VHS (laughs) copy, personally. I think that's how it was distributed. There were never any new copies. Um, Let's see. I found it to be an incredible journey into a frightening future where spiders have turned on us. I don't think spiders have been all that friendly to us up till now, Stephen. They've tolerated us. They occasionally bite. Okay. It was unusual for a date to stick in my mind, but the date I bought this film, May 19th, (laughs) did just that. As though it might be calling to be recognized, cherished, and celebrated. Once a year had passed, it felt natural to party. (laughs) Watch the film with a select audience, and thus an annual ritual began. In the years since, participants have come and gone, yet always taking with them a copy of the film and joy in their hearts. Wow. And we have always attempted to give each year a different mood. One year had the film being watched at the same time in two towns. Another had us watch on two televisions side by side <gasps> simultaneously. Wow. <laughs> Dueling Shatner. That's amazing. Shatner in stereo. Oh. Oh. Of course, for the 10th, I wanted more. Thus, I chose to post my message inviting anyone else to join in so that the day might take on international proportions. There will be t-shirts, collector cards, an all-day Shatner Fest, and the beginning of a new dawn. (laughs) Joy is a small word with a big meaning, no more rapturously felt than when we hear Shatner himself utter the finest compliment any man has ever given to a woman. Slick as a gnat's ass, isn't she? (laughs) So that is great. That is a great write up. That is just awesome. I'm gonna I think we should post that on the blog. Okay. On Kingdom of the Spiders Day. Yes. Very good. So Very good. People can understand, you know, the whole history behind this. But that that's awesome. Yes, and if you haven't seen Kingdom of the Spiders, um I don't think it's out on D V D. Or no. maybe it is. I don't know. Did we get it on TV? I don't even remember. I know we watched it. We probably watched an old crappy VHS copy of it. Maybe so, but um, there are clips from it on YouTube, on YouTube that's of right. uh, mm-hmm. Bill uh, Ropin and Hogtie and yeah, Marcy, his wife that. at the time, uh-huh. and yeah, yeah. It sounds like he has the same sort of obsession with that film that we do um, with Impulse. Oh yes, yeah. yes. You know, down. But to we the... we've never made it a holiday Impulse Day. <laughs> we never even thought of that. 
so that's another media bill has conquered. Holidays. What? Holidays, yeah. So there's Shatmoy. That's Shat, Shatmoy. Shatmoy, and which is the three days between mm-hmm. his and Leonard's birthday. And now there's Kingdom of the Spiders. I, w- I would argue. And Bill's birthday. Well, I would argue that um, the festival that Will the Thrill has, where he shows that, that counts as a holiday also. Yes. And it's been an impulse themed holiday until. You know, whenever he decides he's going to show different movies. But right. That counts as a holiday. It does. Me. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I would take the day off. Of course, I'll take the day <laughs> off, you know. That's great. Because my that. headache went away. Mm-hmm. I can't come to work. I don't have a headache anymore. <laughs> that was an, a great, great email. So um, that's wonderful. And I can't wait to talk to him. I want to hear how the holiday went. And mm-hmm. we should probably have our own, you know, thing to tell him to report. Yes. On how it went. Yeah, we better... So if if anybody out there does their own thing for the holidays, you have to send it in so that we can yes. compile all the reports. We and want add it we to want to know how you celebrate <laughs> Kingdom of the Spiders Day. Yeah. Do you you know I don't know crown a, a spider king and <laughs> have a spider parade, or maybe get some rubber spiders and mm-hmm. just juggle them or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really good. And you know, I swear to God, did you see the movie The Mist came out last summer Mm-mm. based on a Stephen King novel? No. And all the reviews said, you know, for a horror Spider's movie, this is absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. And a friend and I went to it because we sort of accidentally ended up at the wrong theater that wasn't showing what we thought was going to be there. So we said, we'll go to The Mist. Mm-hmm. We thought it was crap. <laughs> and it's Kingdom of the Spiders, but not with spiders, but with alien insect beasts mist. that are gigantic oh. that you know come out of the mist but it is it's kingdom of the spiders oh. they take over the town everybody's terrified you can't get out you can't get away that sounds like a lot of movies mm-hmm. so but what's, what's new about it the only thing special about kingdom of the spiders well is that bill is in it yeah exactly that's the only there's never going to be mist day no jeez okay excellent all right so well, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some stuff now because you read that. <laughs> You've okay. been having a lot of William Shatner dreams lately. <sighs> lately, I was looking at this blog. It goes back like six months. <laughs> but but lately, lately, mm-hmm. as in the last couple of weeks, you've had a lot of dreams. Yes. So I'm gonna start with the most recent one and, and go backwards. Um, unless oh, you want to yeah. go the other way. No, it's no. up to you. I had to no, I'll, look I'll over your shoulder and see what it was. And I want to encourage people, again, to send in their dreams if they have William Shatner dreams because we sh- we need to collect them all in one place. I haven't had any William Shatner dreams. I've had Mythbusters dreams lately, and I'm not quite sure why that is. I dreamt that I was on the show, and I had to test something that involved a gun, and they didn't tell me about it until we were actually testing it. And I said, shouldn't you have told me that? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's part of what they were testing. Yeah, I was like, what was your reaction to that? Anyway, so this was your dream from April 27th. Okay. So, you say, To make up for the previous night's almost total lack of William Shatner, last night's dream was all Trek, all the time. I was in the Wrath of Khan, although the plot had nothing to do with Khan or the Wrath thereof. I came aboard Kirk's Enterprise along with Picard and Riker. Kirk was really glad to see me and immediately stopped paying attention to all the other women who were hot for him, including Lori Siani, who was back from the dead, apparently. She was pissed off, as was an anonymous yeoman who had dyed her hair blonde in an attempt to attract Kirk. They came to Kirk's quarters, which resembled a very classy college dorm room. (laughs) You can imagine such a thing. But Kirk came in and threw them out before we could really get into it. Then he seduced me. I was playing hard to get. This is how we know it was a dream. (laughs) 
more about the classy college dorm room. Could you elaborate on that, if you um, remember? Yeah, it had, like, a lot of um, expensive, highly polished wood. Really? Yeah. Did it have, uh, like, uh, a pyramid of beer cans? No. See, it, it didn't have that. And I don't know exactly why I thought it was, like, a college dorm room, except that... Highly polished wood sounds more like an executive office. Yeah, yeah maybe, like maybe maybe that, but like the, that? but that you know you get this idea in your head or something, mm-hmm. and and that's uh, that's what was. Because I when I, when you say classy college dorm room, I kind of think of the room that Kirk and Mitchell shared at one point. You know, <laughs> that wasn't classy. <laughs> that just had like you know these obscene notes to each other, and you know written in magic marker on the wall. <laughs> Well, you know, see. make your fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. That's that's not classy. Well, it, for Starfleet Academy, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. This, I love this one. This is the next one. This is my favorite. This is <laughs> 1,000th years from now. <laughs> oh, God. I can't type, can I? <laughs> it's great. This is just barely a Shatner dream, but here goes. Someone had, this was so funny. I was laughing out loud when I read this. Someone had figured out how to stop the aging process so people live to a thousand years or older. Unfortunately, the process didn't work on people who were already older than about 60, so they still kicked around 80 or so. So, Lena and I were 1,000 years old and had become a lesbian couple with a bunch of kids. <laughs> you know, I, after a certain amount of time, you got to try everything. Two 2,000-year-old women from the future showed up and told us a bunch of stuff I don't remember. Lena and I were still doing our podcast. <laughs> Yay! And as a surprise for our Brazilian show, I was going to reveal to Lena that William Shatner was the only person older than 60 who was still alive. Because, after all, he's Bill, and he was still working. <laughs> I can't die. That's right. Can you believe I managed to keep that a secret from you for a thousand years? No, that's unbelievable. I, I would say rather than keeping it a secret from me, you just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but we still managed to do a thousand years worth of shows, and we were probably still going through your Trek crap. <laughs> the thing about that is, it's not hard to believe that there would be a thousand years worth of Trek and Bill stuff to talk about. Yeah. Because even if we did a show every day for a thousand years, there would still be stuff to talk about. Of course. So that part's not hard at all. Uh, and then we have the um, Earth Day Dream. I don't remember this okay. one, so you'll have to well, read it to us. Okay. These all came just bam, bam, bam. Okay. Uh, Kitty's Dream on the Eve of Earth Day. Not that Earth Day had anything to do with it. I was watching the new Star Trek movie with all my Trek friends. I was simultaneously in the movie some of the time. Lots of weird... Mm. Yes? No, I just remembered this dream. Lots of weird non-Trek, more like bad fantasy stuff went on with constant peril. There was a strange sequence in which most of the Trek characters were in Santa suits. (laughs) Kirk, Spock, and one other were up on a platform. There was a kiddie pool below it, and the kiddies were catapulted up onto one one of the Santa's laps. My friend and I got in the pool. And um, as an aside, you said uh, to Francine, I'm sure you were catapulted to Spock's lap and he wasn't in the rest of the dream, so you can take it from there. (laughs) Then there was more peril involving a play rehearsal, a kitchen that needed to be cleaned up, and costumes. Somehow the movie ended, but it was a false ending, a fact that only William Shatner and I were aware of. Everyone (laughs) else left the theater. Bill and I continued to the real ending. All the people from the false ending turned out to be some kind of avatars, and they were shredded! Bill and I stepped through the shreds and ended up in a place where the people controlling the avatars were torturing people. Suddenly, 
there was an announcement in the movie about a surprise appearance by a pregnant Suzanne Brandt. <laughs> I was shocked, shocked. She was put in a bathtub and tortured with a bunch of those little IS, ISB disc keys. What, you mean like the memory stick? Yeah. <laughs> we rescued her. <laughs> they just were kind of poking her with them. <laughs> so rather than torture, it was more like just annoyance. <laughs> Annoy you to death. Poke, poke, yeah. poke. And then you have to go sit in the comfy chair. <laughs> we rescued her, and then the movie really ended. <laughs> I was sort of sucked out of the movie and into the theater. Then the theater started rushing by, giving me this weird sensation, kind of like when you get up too fast and your head spins. The lobby went by, and then I finally was outside, slowed down, and stopped. I had two thoughts. The best thing about the movie was this weird head rush special effect at the end, and I'm suing those bastards. <laughs> Wildcat kept trying to reassure me that it was wonderful that Brent is so well-known in fandom that she can appear in a movie without explanation. I still wanted to sue the bastards. The memory of the strange rush has stayed with me all day. It really did. That's so funny. It was such a strong physical sensation because it felt like like I was standing still Mm -hmm. and like the lobby was moving forward to where I was really fast. That's crazy. It was weird. That's a strange dream. Yeah. And th- you had all those dreams within like a week. Yeah. All three of them. See, I think somebody is going to look at this blog and read all those dreams and realize what a psycho I am. <laughs> and I'm just going along thinking, you know, I'm just happy and not too too awfully weird and, and, mm-hmm. and certainly not dangerous. And next thing I know, there's going to be a restraining order between me and the world. You know, the blog is clearly titled Dreams of William Shatner. <laughs> it's not stalking of William Shatner or plans <laughs> to stalk William Shatner. It's just dreams. Just you can't dreams. control your dreams. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I think that's true. it's very clear what the point of that is. And, and and those of you who are, you know, having dreams not quite so um, busy <laughs> should be reassured and, and happy to send them yeah, to us. We'll yeah, put them up there. Absolutely. So now, um, maybe to finish this off, I wanted to talk about an experience I recently had okay. um, in Las Vegas. Oh, yes, yes. So uh, I went to Las Vegas last week for business. And, without me. Uh, without you, sorry. And uh, ended up doing some fun stuff and not gambling and all that. But I was there with Logan, my co-host from the comics podcast. And we had thought about going to the Star Trek experience, which we've both been to, but there wasn't really time to do this. And one evening after we had had dinner, we were just kind of wandering around and we went to... Um, the Luxor and we went to New York, New York, and we ended up in the arcade out of all places because obviously we're not grown up enough to go to the adult <laughs> arcade, which is the casino. <laughs> so we kind of looked around and we were thinking if we wanted to play some games. They had some driving games and stuff. And then we found the best game there, which was a Star Trek game. Yay! And it was a game where um, two people sat down next to each other in this sort of, like you were in a car, sort of, and where the windshield would be was a big screen. And it had very bad 3D animation of Voyager. And you put in your money. It was a dollar per player. And you got a gun, a plastic gun, which was big. I mean, it was like you had to hold it with two hands. And uh, you had to repel the Borg. It was a Borg invasion. So you got to sit there. When the Borg came up on the screen, you had to shoot them. And you had to shoot them several times. And then they exploded. And the cool thing about the game is that just like in real life, and I'm putting quotes around real life, <laughs> you had to keep recalibrating your weapon because the frequencies <laughs> kept changing. Because oh. that's what they always had to do with the board, oh, right? God. So in order to do that, it remodulate, you know, you'd be shooting and then a big thing would flash on the screen and say, you must remodulate your, your weapon. And you'd have to 
take your gun and shoot it off to the side of the screen and that remodulated it. And you had to do that really often and as the game went on you had to do it more and more often. So like you'd do two shots and then you'd have to remodulate and shoot again. So you had to shoot really, really fast with your gun. So fortunately both of us are fairly skilled in video games and we did really well. But unfortunately we also ended up killing some Starfleet people. <laughs> Oops. You red know, shirts, if, right? If I am firing and you get in front of me, tough. Yep. That's just the way it goes. It, the Borg, you know, there's um, what is it? Uh, expendable resources or a certain level of... Uh, it's collateral damage. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's what it was. And you know what? As Cheney said, so. Yeah. So it was fun. Now, the first time we played was just kind of getting used to it. The second time we played, we did a lot better and we got to the bonus round. <gasps> the bonus round was hilarious. It was like a <laughs> carnival game. So in the first part of it, you're on Voyager, and you're kind of moving through corridors, and you're in different rooms, and the Borg are kind of popping up, and sometimes they're right in front of you, and they shoot you, and you get hurt, and all that kind of stuff. You finish all that, and suddenly you're down on a planet, and it kind of looks like the planet from uh, Galaxy Quest. It's a big, rocky planet. And since it's a two-player game, you are looking so straight ahead of you. It's this rocky planet, and there's a big rock outcropping, and... <laughs> A boar guy pops up from behind it, and then you have to shoot him until he goes back down again. <laughs> Just like a carnival game. Yeah. And then there's another boar guy that comes and he walks around on the outside of the rocket. <laughs> but the one guy keeps popping up and going back down and popping up and going back down. It was really funny. I was annoyed because my gun was not really calibrated well, so I couldn't hit the guy who kept popping up behind the rocks. I kept shooting to the left. And every time I, you know, I was trying to, to align it and I couldn't do it in time. So Logan ended up scoring way better than I did on that particular game. But we did make it to the bonus round, so that was good. And then afterwards, we agreed that that was the most fun we had in Las Vegas. Well, I have to point out something because our listeners can't see um, you acting this all out for me. <laughs> I was acting it out. And it was very cute. But what it was reminding me of with the hand gestures you were doing and how the yeah. whole thing's happening was, Serian, 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 you shall not pass. Serian, Serian, Serian. <laughs> From extras. Um, I have one more little thing I want to read. Oh, yes. <clears throat> and it's something we haven't talked about in a really long time. And that is the spanking newsletter. <gasps> you got another one. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I want to share two-story synopses with you. Please. This one is by Dr. Dlaniger. How do you spell that? D-L-A-N-I-G-E-R. Okay. He couldn't afford another vowel. <laughs> He lost it. Okay. I just I just want hope that somehow this plot is going to make sense if I read it out loud. Okay. Hillary won the lottery, $175 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. This enabled her to start in show business, and somehow it also qualified her for three public bare-bottom spankings. <laughs> I didn't know you had to be qualified. For public bare-bottom spankings. Well, apparently it's part of the lottery winnings. And you have to pay a lot of money for it, I guess. Yeah. It's very expensive to be qualified. It's yeah. like Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> the more you pay, the more qualified you do are. Do they spank in Scientology? Oh, they probably do. It's one of those things <laughs> they don't talk about to outsiders. <laughs> this is a secret no outworlders may know. Exactly. Okay, here's a, you're going to be so thrilled to hear about this. Sorry. Are you ready? The spanking gangsters are back. (laughs) Thanks to Gregory Babcock, who has written this story called Messing with the Mob. If you are going to give in to temptation and pilfer money, 
it is probably best if it is not the mob's money. I'd agree with that. Unless, of course, you enjoy being bare-assed over a knee while a hard hand, paddle, hairbrush, or similar instrument turns your butt red. Fortunately for our hero, he does. How lucky for him. Spanking gangsters. Wow. I'd read that story. (laughs) How much does it cost? Ten dollars. Oh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Maybe we could get it from a torrent. (laughs) (laughs) Google spanking gangsters, Uh, in quotes. I will. And just see if anything comes up. (laughs) Let's see. Is it actually... Is it called spanking gangsters? Well, that's what we've always called them because of that story where... You know, somebody owed money, and the gangsters came around to enforce it. And uh, okay, now with quotes around it, it gets you to some like Czechoslovakian website. That's not good. Oh, we're not answering that. Spanking Gregor Grimes. Oh. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Here's his name. He writes a lot of stories. He's in the newsletter a lot. Okay. Well, I googled spanking gangsters, and nothing turned up. Um, I am. Well, we were the ones. We with our friends. Who started calling them spanking gangsters because mm-hmm. there was a story with a, a similar plot that mm-hmm. made us all laugh real hard. Okay, so the name the name of that story is Messing with the Mob. Mm-hmm. So let me look up Messing with the Mob and see if that actually turns up anything. Messing up. Messing with the Mob. <laughs> if I could spell, it would help out so much. Abcock. I wonder if that's really his name. Or of course his. not. Do you think Dr. Dreeniger is his real name? Oh, see, it doesn't turn up anything. Wow, he has managed to live He's off not even the on grid. How did wow. that happen? Wow. So, anyway, spanking gangsters. That's great. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the description. That's a nice, succinct description. I think uh, those plot synopses like that, you know exactly what you're getting. Mm hmm. And that's a good thing. And, um, no surprises. And it kind of it fits in because I think the spanking gangsters are the one who have rigged that lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you? Yes, I think that's probably true. That's true. Uh, well, I'm glad you read me that. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> that's very funny. So if anybody out there has read that story, please let us know. Or any stories about spanking spanking, gangsters. Or if you've written a story about spanking gangsters, we'd like to know about it. That's true. Okay, let's take a little break. Okay. And then we'll come back with with more stuff. (laughs) Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. People, pay attention and write it down this time. Comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. So the reason that I wanted to watch this episode that we just watched was because I thought Bill looked extraordinarily handsome and beautiful in it. Do you agree? Yes. Okay, good. Well, good. that was worth it. Okay. <laughs> well, so now watching we, we Bill is always time well spent. <laughs> but I thought he just... 
this particular episode, he looked really good. The lighting was good. His toupee was good. Makeup was good. Makeup was good. He had a little bit of a tan going on, I think. And he had a wart. And he had a, a something on his neck. Yeah. Not yeah. a hickey. No, it wasn't a hickey. Cause no. It was on the back of his neck. Um, yeah, the episode we're talking about is Return of the Archons. Yes. Which is some um, one that we haven't watched in... I don't know if we've ever watched that together, have we? I don't think we have, but I don't think it's been all that long since I've seen it. But to me, well, we'll get into it, but one of the remarkable things was right in the middle was a scene I'm going, I've never seen this! <laughs> um, and you said, you yeah, syndication cuts, yeah, so they've found some pieces, because mm-hmm. I had never seen that part before. I think I remember seeing That makes me this. excited to watch the other ones on, yeah. on these restored mm-hmm. DVDs and see if there's other little things. Definitely. Um, so this, uh, to quickly recap the plot, they find a planet and people are acting weird. They don't know why. They all act like they're sedated. Stoned. Uh, and when they get there, it's just in time for a festival, which means everybody goes insane mm-hmm. and starts breaking windows and jumping through glass and all kinds of stuff. And Carrying women off and setting things on fire. Yes, and, and it, of course it turns out that they've all it's been... It's kind of like spring break. It is. They've all been mind-controlled by a computer, and it's up to Kirk to defeat the computer by power of his brains, because mm-hmm. he can't use his weapons. Actually, more by power of his uh, sharp talking. That's true. It is true. And as I was saying to you, as we were watching it, and he was out-thinking and out-talking this computer, it was good training for the iMud episode. Well, and I also like how he, he, the stance he takes, and he does this in other ones, is it's a very lawyerly thing. I put it to you. Yes, he does. He, he kind of put, <laughs> he puts one foot up on the yeah. hole on the wall, like he's <laughs> approaching the bench or something, and yes, he leans yes. forward, and he puts his arm on his knee, and he gets very aggressive with a computer. But, you know, it's... It, that was a really good move because, okay, they're going from a close-up of a box with lights on it <laughs> yes. to a close-up of Bill, who behind him has Spock and some other guy just standing there. So mm-hmm. Bill's providing the only action. Yep. And he does a great job. he's all the action. He does really good. Oh. So now, a couple, so I took some notes while we were Of course, there. of course. And one of the things I noticed was that they said that the original ship that had come to the planet, the Archon, had come a mm-hmm. hundred years ago. That seems like an awfully long time in Federation timeline, and we could probably look it up in a book or something, but a hundred years ago? Yeah, and I think there was just like this sort of standing order after that. Um, You know, if you happen to be by that sector of space... <laughs> Send down two guys. You might want to check Two it out. guys yeah. for this whole planet. And see if you can find out what happened to them. But it's kind of like um, the SS Beagle when that yeah. disappeared at the, the um, planet of the Roman Empire. Exactly. But a hundred years ago. I mean, I yeah. thought a hundred years before Star Trek, you know, Kirk and company, it was like coal-powered starships, you know? It's like... <laughs> Anyway, I know that they picked that number to make it seem so impossible, but I'm going to have to go. We'll, we'll look it up in one of your right. books to see what the timeline was. A hundred years. Yeah, I, the chronology picked, will have it, definitely. They should have picked 50 years. Yeah. Well, that why don't you talk for a minute while I go get the okay. chronology off the okay. shelf. So, um, some other notes in here. One thing that we both noticed and liked very much was that uh, because they're down on this planet, which is supposed to take place, the time period is like early western frontier exploration they got to wear these great period clothes that were just gorgeous and i was i'm of the opinion that 
NBC had a large stock of really nice period clothes because over the years they've done so many westerns and other shows that's supposed to take place in that time. Right, and and Bill is in a, a oh. like a uh, Bat Masterson thing. And, he oh. looks great. He's wearing a string tie and he's got this beautiful silk vest on, which he actually puts to good use somewhat later in the episode because... He can't, like, pull his shirt down. Right. He has to hook his thumbs into the vest, and he looks very cool doing that. Um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, always obsessing about, you know, who who has these things now. Who who has that silk vest? I don't know, but he looked damn uh, Even though it was it. never actually against his skin, as far as we know, yeah. it was... Uh, it, he looked great. Everybody looked good. Yeah, <laughs> but... Really good. He especially looked good. Here we go, so, Archon. Um, we were also laughing because they, they're they on the planet. Kirk and the landing party, Spock's with them. There's the stroke of six, which is when the <laughs> festival begins. And right when the clock is bonging, everybody goes berserk. And they all just start <laughs> screaming and running around. <laughs> and tearing off their clothes. And the very first thing that happens to Kirk, of course, is that a woman <laughs> runs up and plants one right on his face. Not <laughs> just plants one, but jumps up on <laughs> him. <laughs> He doesn't look at all displeased by this. No, they peel her yeah, away. And, and he's like, what? I was digging that. So, okay, you want to hear about this? Yeah, tell me about it. Okay, here's what, what it's... So what is it? Tell me. Okay. Um, this isn't the chronology. You're looking it up in the... Yeah, chronology. the chronology is something the Kudas did where they're, um, they're very anal. Like anything that says, okay, it happened 100 years ago, they uh -huh. put it in here. So I'm trying to find it. In the year... In the year... 2160? Um... Lots of stuff went on that year, so I'm looking for the reference here. Oh, here we go. Okay. In the year 2161, the big event is the United Federation of Planets is incorporated. Oh, that's interesting. But here it says, um, the Romulan Wars, Balance of Terror, were described as being between Earth and the Romulans, suggesting that the Federation was not established until at least that point. Starfleet was apparently responsible for the starship Archon and Horizon missions a few years later, oh, 2167 and 2168. Okay, so let's look up 2167. Here we go. 2167, the starship Archon visits planet Beta-3 and star system C-111. Uh... Yeah, and it says that, you know, the crew was absorbed. And hmm. Okay, so that that's basically what it says. And then uh, here's Return of the Archons, yeah. their, their okay. thing. Well, still, it just doesn't seem to me that they would have been that advanced, but, you know, whatever. I can live with it. Okay. So, yes, great, great costumes. Um, there's a couple other things I wanted to point out before we get to the, the philosophical stuff here. Uh, we noticed that when they're in this hiding place, they're hiding from all the people who are acting very much in an invasion of the body snatchers kind of way yes. coming after them. But walking really, really slowly, just like the Warner Brothers cartoon where... The ether breaks, and the mad scientist is chasing Bugs Bunny, and they're both moving in slow motion, and he's going, come back here, you rabbit. Well, it's also making me think, I was reading something recently, it was talking about zombies, and it said, how come when zombies can hardly even walk, they can catch you? Yeah, it was like You that. can't ever get away from them. So they were running away from essentially zombies. But anyway, they're in this... the. They're this dungeon, which looked like the cat's paw set, mm -hmm. and uh, 
supersonic sound to knock them out. And, of course, Kirk is the last one to get knocked out by the sound, but also the first one to wake up from the sound. Yeah, because he's, he's the goddamn, goddamn captain, captain yeah. of course. And you were pointing out that they end up in a different dungeon, which looked like the same dungeon, just bigger. And uh, it, they had been strategically placed all around there as if someone was rearranging furniture. <laughs> yeah. Look at you in this corner and you in this corner. Oh, no, he's wearing a blue jacket. He would look better over there. That, that's right. That's exactly so it. So I think that's what they did. Yes. Um, and then there was a joke in here. And, you know, as we were laughing about it as we watched it, and I thought this is one of the first times that they actually did fan service, like making a joke just for the fans, mm-hmm. which is when some bad guys come in and Kirk and Spock have to take him down. And Kirk karate chops a guy and then punches him in the arm and he passes out. <laughs> and Spock grabs the other one and instead of nerve pinching him, he punches him in the face. And we both went, hey! <laughs> and Kirk turns to him and goes, isn't that rather old-fashioned? <laughs> so that was really funny. They wrote yes. that joke for the fans. Yes. That was good. I think that was probably the first, first season. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't been being broadcast for that long, but even then they yeah. knew that And he did neck pinch someone later. Did, so it was in there. Yeah, anyway, yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> That was great. Well, I also liked our little joke, of course, was um, when Kirk supposedly gets mind controlled, but mm-hmm. not really, but we don't know this. <laughs> when he walks by Spock and he's going, peace be with you, blah, blah, blah. And then the other guy goes, your friend is okay. He's just he's just pretending. We're going, well, then he should have winked at Spock when he went by. And you did a great pantomime of how subtle that wink would have been. It would have been huge. And then we got the version of a Vulcan double take out of Spock, which is very funny. It was a huge take for a Vulcan. <laughs> for a Vulcan. For it a Vulcan. Was. It was, you know, just a tiny, like, eyebrow twitch almost. Not even a full eyebrow raise. But in terms of, of like, Vulcans, that would have been enough to fill a vaudeville stage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you yes. would have been able to see it way and, up in the balcony. Yeah. And the director, director would have been going, Tony. Down, pull that back, pull that back. Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. And then one other thing I noticed right at the end, which was really good, good writing. Uh, So, of course, the Enterprise has been in jeopardy this whole time. And Kirk finally, they they blow the computer up. Mm -hmm. And Kirk calls, talks to Scotty, and he says, uh, Scotty, and Scotty says, are you all right? And Kirk says, what about the ship? He doesn't even respond. He just says, what about the ship? Yep. Perfect. That's, that's, that's Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, oh, that's great. So that was just really well written. So I wanted to say, I thought this was a very well written episode. Mm-hmm. And we watched the credits at the end. And surprisingly, the story was by Gene Roddenberry. Yes. Although he didn't do the teleplay. And no. I, I didn't manage to scribble down the name of the guy who did the teleplay. But it was someone I'd never heard of before. I think it was an excellent example of an interesting story. And I'm really glad Gene Roddenberry didn't actually write it. It's also a really excellent example of the thing they're always saying about Star Trek. Is they were able to approach all kinds of issues that they couldn't have gotten away with if they were yes. not science fiction. And so people always bring up the uh, the private little war, you know, mm-hmm. as a parallel to Vietnam and everything. But I'm thinking this one is such a strong statement about the dangers of conformity and of religion, mm-hmm. and which were not necessarily religion, but the conformity were mm-hmm. huge issues at that time of, you know, just following the yeah. tradition and not questioning. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of if there is no individual thought, if there is no creativity, you're really not alive. Yep. I, I and it's totally quite an agree. indictment of that, of the sort of groupthink or yep. mob think, mm-hmm. you know. I, I totally agree. I Not having seen this for so long, I was surprised by how overt that was. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could get away with an episode like this now. No, and, and they keep pointing out, well, this is a very peaceful society and, you know, it's very logical. Nobody ever gets hurt, well, except at festival where mm-hmm. obviously, you know, mm-hmm. things happen. Um, 
so they're they're really pointing out mm-hmm. the price that is, that is being paid for that. Yeah. Well, I I was thinking as we watched this that this would be a great episode now. I mean, this mm-hmm. is an episode you could show now because for me it really represents. The, the horribleness of people who are very conservative religious people, no mm-hmm. matter what religion they believe in, because they want the same kinds of things that they said right in this episode where they're saying Landry wanted to take us back to a simpler time, mm-hmm. a time when everything was good, when everything was easy. And in America, anyway, that's exactly what the conservative evangelical Christians want. They want mm-hmm. to go back to this mythical time when everybody knew their place and everything was peaceful and things were good and modern times are so bad now because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has freedom of choice. So yeah. let's go back to a time when nobody had freedom of choice because it's so much better. And it's also the whole idea that um, in, the, in the name of peace and mm-hmm. joy and love, they'll kill you. Exactly. Yeah, if you don't conform, then you have to be absorbed. You have to be... Yeah, it's be one of us or die. Those those are your choices, you know, cake or death. Exactly. So I thought that that, I mean, that that message is really, really clear. What's interesting about this, too, is that they had the, in the script, what the people say to each other is so borrowed from religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, all that peace be to you and joy and, you know, finding joy in in land. Calling each other brother. It's it's like, you know, this could be the Mormons or this could be Mm -hmm. the evangelical Christians, or I suppose that's what parts of Islam are like for the very fundamentalist people. And and they're not there five minutes before people are questioning them for being different and questioning them quite aggressively. Yeah, you're not one of us, so therefore you have to be absorbed. And we have to report this. You have to be converted or you have to be killed, just Mm -hmm. like the Crusades, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was pretty amazed that they got away with being as overt about this kind of stuff. But again, science fiction, nobody cared. It's great. Thank God. I think it's great, and I think that this is, yes, this is what science fiction should be for, and there should be more of this kind of stuff out there where you can make that point. Well, the point is being made about this and many other very relevant topics on uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, in some real interesting ways, I mean, char- we see characters that that I personally like, I mean, as, as people, mm-hmm. um, doing things that are certainly very questionable, and they are doing them for what they consider to be good reasons and the role of religion the role of survival the Mm. role um that politics plays in all of this it's sometimes a disturbing show to watch Mm. because you're going but i don't want her to do that she's Mm. one of the good guys you know it does it it doesn't have the black and white again it's science fiction Mm -hmm. i mean one of the other things i really like about this episode um and i'm as you're talking about issues in science fiction i'm trying to think of a tng episode that did this the same way and i can't Mm -hmm. think of one where they really addressed it this directly. Then there were a couple where they did address um, the same kind of conformity to a society where they went, you know, and there was a society that on the surface was very peaceful but had very draconian rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was the dumb first season episode where it's like the planet of the supermodels who all dressed in white and Wesley stepped on the grass so they were going to yeah. kill him. And well, and there's the one of uh, the the planet of lesbians where one fell in love right. with Riker. And, right, yeah. But they weren't really lesbians. They were just sort of ambisexual or... So the thing about those episodes, which made them stupid, um, <laughs> well, they were badly written. That's one thing. But they had... 
the, the reason I think they suffered was because in order to make it an interesting episode, they had to have a personal involvement of one of the main characters. This episode had no personal involvement, Mm-mm. which was great. I mean, it wasn't that Kirk fell in love with somebody or somebody else fell in love with somebody or it was somebody's mm-hmm. sister or brother or... Right. There was none of that. It was a straight ahead. This is what the Enterprise does. They go to a planet... Who knows what they're going to find there? It's a situation Kirk has to make a decision to deal with it. There was no personal entanglement for him. Mm-hmm. It was just straight ahead. This is what happens in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's the way it should be. That's the way 80% of the episode should be. You do not have to write in a personal entanglement for a main character for every single goddamn story. But um, I think in every... Uh Trek since the original they have come about in times where we seem to want our TV dramas to be more soap opera mm. which means you know continuing storylines yes. continuing threads and certainly we gripe about the the, the la- total lack of, of continuity and stuff like that in Star Trek but to the the point where it got ridiculous with personal stakes yeah. that they were never really on a straight mission where they did their job and went home yeah <laughs> you know, you gotta have that once in a while. Yeah, you you yeah. can't have every episode be about the soap opera. You have to have some that are just here's mm-hmm. the mission. Like, yeah, the, these episodes. This episode was not about any Star Trek character. No, and I liked it for that reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's so refreshing. I don't think you see that very often. And I think that's why people got so excited when there was an episode like uh, This Side of Paradise. Yeah, which again was we go to this planet, they're fucked up, we got to fix it, but. Spock's in love with Lynn right. Kalami. Yeah, but it didn't happen every episode. Right, So that's, right. that's what made it very special. Mm-hmm. So I'm very glad that this was just a, a straight-ahead sort of thing. And Kirk, everybody was totally in character, mm-hmm. which was great. And, you know, Kirk has to outthink this machine. And um, there were a couple, I mean, it, there were a couple instances, again, good writing for TV drama. The first one, we laughed at this when they, they get there and the um, their contact who is not mind controlled is saying to them, we have to hurry, Landra will find us. Boop, and the door's open. After and we both went, oh, too late. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, you know, yep. it's TV. Don't waste any time. And yeah. you say we're going to get caught and then in the next second they get They're caught. caught. That's great. Yeah. And then in that scene where Kirk has to confront the computers, they use their phasers to blast a hole in the wall and Kirk is like, all right, let's take it out. He picks up his phaser. Oh, and the computer nullifies it right then and there. And there yep. was no like long drawn out kind mm-hmm. of thing where they had to go, oh, the thing's not working. And as soon as his phaser stops working, he immediately knows that he's going to have to do it another way and moves on to plan B. Mm-hmm. No agonizing, no angst. He just moves right on to yep. plan B because he's got Do- He doesn't get to get everybody together in conference room and no. talk about it. No, he just does it because he doesn't. he's the god Damn captain. captain. So that was just brilliant. I love yes, that. I yes. was very happy about that. Um, let's see. I thought there was one other point that I wanted to make. But um, it's escaping me right now. Well, he looked gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The the toupee was outstanding from the back and everything. There really is um, a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. There was, you know, no huge EVE shots, which no, is too bad because those were the sort of pants that normally yeah. we would have gotten that. But when a festival is going on and he's upstairs in this house and looking out the window and the flames are, mm-hmm. you know, like being, uh, doing Kirk lighting things on his face and he's in profile. Oh, man. Very gorgeous. Um, yes. Her was in it and had like two lines. Her hair looked bad. She had a yeah. bad hair day. She, yeah. She overslept that morning and couldn't really do the whole thing. So, <laughs> uh, And Landrew, the guy who played Landrew, also had a bad hair day. <laughs> Permanently. <laughs> Permanently. Just big, poofy, poofy He had poofy windswept hair. hair and windswept voice. Yeah. 
So I'm trying to remember, this was probably one of the first episodes where Kirk had to use logic to defeat a computer before they started making it a habit, which mm-hmm. they did as they went along. Yeah. they started running out of plot devices. Well, when was the Nomad episode? Was that season one? No, season two. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, because I, I just went through relabeling. Well, I'm just them. going to you're check, check this. You're going to check it out? Okay, I'll have to Because this is the type of thing that eats my job. Okay, year one. Carbonite. I'm pretty sure it was second season. What the fuck? <laughs> we don't have a list of episodes in front of us. I know we should, and we should know all this stuff by heart. Oh, it's here. I'm, I'm getting out of order. Enemy within naked Charlie X balance of terror. They had less computer focused episodes yeah. in the first season, as I'm remembering. Mary was more. Uh, Weird people and some aliens and reusing a lot of sets. In fact, I think the sets that yeah. they used in this episode were probably the ones they used for Miri as well. Yeah. They Let's see. Very, very and then, you know, they ended this very much the way they ended um, Piece of the Action. You know, mm-hmm. now that they've been freed from their robotic overlords, you know, they have to learn how to establish a new society by yep. themselves. And now, Taste of Armageddon was very computer cent- central, but Kirk didn't have to outsmart it. No, he just had to the force them to talk to each other. In the dark. Mercy mercy city on the edge. Yeah. Operation Annihilate. Yeah, yeah you're right. Wait, yeah. what episode did we just watch? Return of the Archons? Yeah. Why wasn't it even listed here? It was first season. I know it was. I know was. it was. The reason I know this is because I just ripped it from the DVD that only has the first season. Oh, we should mention, as long as we're talking about this, that uh, word on the street is that there will be a season three remaster. Yes, they finished the remastering, yes. and they got to do something with it. So yeah. they'll sell it to us. They will sell it to us. Um, not clear whether season three is going to be coming out just as DVD or whether it's going to be DVD and Blu-ray. I think I read somewhere Here it is. We that the, the plan is for them to just release season two and three as regular DVDs, and then eventually they're going to re-release seasons one, two, and three on Blu-ray to make you buy it again. Again. Okay. So I think you are right that this is the first time he outsmarted the computer. Mm -hmm. Well, after beating the Kobayashi Maru, of course. Yeah, and beating Spock at chess. (laughs) (laughs) Which counts, right? Yeah, and he also tells Spock, you're very much like a computer. And Spock is like, oh, thank you. So when's the next time he does that? Well, the iMod episode was season two, right? The Apple was season two, was it not? Who more? Well, I see a mock time doomsday machine. Wolf in the fall. Oh, changeling. 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 So that's, that's the, the next, next one. one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't really become too habitual for a while. But then right after that is the apple. Right. And then right after, like several after that is iMud, which mm-hmm. is basically the same sort of. Thing. Now this is interesting. They had two sort of comic episodes in a row: iMud and Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. They needed some levity. And then they go on to bread and circuses uh, and they because crazy. they needed a gay centurion, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> a fat, jolly one. <laughs> uh, well, that was. I'm glad we watched that. That was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy about that. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up for this segment. Yes. So let's take a break and then we'll. Uh, we'll let's have up. some food. Let's have some food. Good idea. Okay. Cue the music. Get 
Groovy Spock tones <laughs> with Jive Apple. We were totally grooving to that. We were. We were doing all the hand jive and everything. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was funky. <laughs> oh yeah. Where did you find that link? Anyway? Somebody sent it to me. Oh, it's good. It's um. It's actually Jeff. Jeff Scott is the guy who does that. Yes, and um, if you can like backtrack to the the farther back, um, they have recorded a lot of the the Star Trek crap music. So. <laughs> Because these should not be lost. On um, the bicycle harp. Yeah, well, you know, that's what yeah. the girl is playing in, yeah. in the apple when they are grooving. Oh, yeah. Get so down, Spock. That, yeah. was, that was great. That was great. Yeah. So it's always good to have some other music that we can drop in, and that's mm-hmm. going to be one of our pieces. And yep. um, we should probably write to them and tell them we're using it <laughs> and make sure it's okay. Oh, they will be thrilled. Oh, they will be thrilled. Um, so I had a couple of, uh, this is sort of uh, things that we found, but I wanted to say a few things first. Um for reasons that are far too complicated for me to go into right now, I've been watching a lot of shows on Disney, the Disney Channel. Okay. I know, it sends shivers up my spine too, but be that as it may. Um, it's funny how people turn up in shows where you don't expect them to turn up. Has so, Bill been on Hannah Montana? No, Bill hasn't okay. been on Hannah Montana, but um, <laughs> I was watching, uh, what was it, that other bad show that's called The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. You know, I've, I think I've told you about this, that I, I think that all of these shows are secretly... Um, gay vehicles for Disney because there are so many <laughs> pretty overtly gay characters in them, although they're never actually called gay. But anyway, um, so in the episode that I was just watching, they had a oh god, and now I can't remember the actor's name. The guy in Trouble with Tribbles, who was the the head of the space station, William Shallard. Yes, he's, he's still, still alive. alive. I know. I was amazed. I was like, Oh Patty my god, he's dad. Like, and he was in this episode. I mean, he's a little old man now, uh-huh. but it's clearly him. And there he was, acting away, doing a good job, still still working wow. at the age of however old he's he is. He's got to be older than Bill. Definitely. He looks wow. old. I mean, he looks like he's about 80 years old. Uh-huh. I, I know Bill is 77, but he doesn't look it. Right. But yes, this he looks it. So anyway, I just wanted to say, I saw him, and I was like, hey, it's him, it's him. It's, uh, what was he, Commissioner somebody. Yeah, yeah. and I couldn't remember. But anyway, so just wow. wanted to pass that along. Cause I thought not, that was not Arm Darvin or whatever. No, not Arm Darvin. The Arm other Darvin, guy. yeah. Um, then I was watching this other show that's called iCarly. Um, yeah. And it turns out that on, it's about teenagers. The principal of their school is played by Tim Russ, who was Tuvok. 
<laughs> Look at all that's what he's doing these days. Oh dear. He's playing the principal in a Disney sitcom. For okay. Kids. So mm, anyway. All right. And you know what? He's not that different from Tuvok. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing he sort of has a limited acting range. Not that okay. he's bad, but right. you know, just not that different from being Tuvok. Okay. No pointed ears. So. Well, have you seen Leonard's Volkswagen commercial? No. Oh, he does a Volkswagen commercial. Get yeah, he's, there's this um this series of, of Volkswagen commercials where different celebrities talk to this black Volkswagen. The Volkswagen has a German accent, <laughs> and um, so there's Leonard uh-huh. talking to this uh, Volkswagen about being typecast, and the thing is, you never for one minute believe Leonard Nimoy is talking to a Volkswagen, you know that he's sitting there while the little script girl reads uh-huh. the, the Volkswagen's lines, and then Leonard says his, because it just, it never becomes real. So, you know, his his limit is um, acting with inanimate objects, I guess. <laughs> and, and he goes to the director and he goes, look, the, the car just isn't giving me anything. You're getting all you're gonna, Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Okay. Okay. I, I had no idea that Leonard did a Volkswagen commercial. Yes. Leonard Schilling for Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they couldn't get Bill. So many questions. No, um, they couldn't get Bill. <laughs> that one's easy. Because Bill was too billing, busy shilling for, like, Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Porsche would kill to have Bill. Ah, that's true. Okay. Okay. Anyway, be that as it may, um, people who read the blog... Our blog, that is. Yes. We'll notice that at the for the last show that we posted there, which was show 86, I believe, um, I put a picture at the end. Now, usually I try to find a picture that relates to whatever the show was about. In this case, I couldn't because I was too lazy or whatever. And because the show crazy. wasn't about anything. It wasn't about anything, as usual. <laughs> and, like, that's any different from it normally is. Um, but someone, um, our dear friend Greg in New Zealand, had alerted me to the fact that one of the comic blogs that he reads, and I also read, which is called Mike Sterling's Progressive Ruin, which I think is a great That's name for a blog. wonderful title. had posted um, something about Bill, and he posts often about Star Trek because he's a Star Trek fan. And we've mm-hmm. talked about some of his posts on this show, and I've mm-hmm. talked about it on my comic show. But I just thought this was great. So he reproduced the cover to... Um, the new Star Trek Year 4 comic that's coming out. There's a little splash on the front that says, DC Fontana's first comics work. And it's a picture of Bill dressed as a Romulan from Enterprise Incident. So this was his comment. Um, so this this cover was one of the um, variant covers, as they often do with comic books to make mm-hmm. you buy more. They put it out with many different covers. No! He says... Why would you make this, the retailer incentive cover, i.e. for every 10 or so of the regular cover ordered, you get one of these? Do people not understand the sheer sales power of the Shat? Sure, he's all Romuland up on that cover, but that's 100% real Kirk baby. (laughs) USDA choice. I just thought that was so funny, so that's why I posted it there. So wait, I want to point out something oh, okay. about the picture. Please. It is a wonderful picture, and it's it's a very high res, and you can actually see when you look at the costume because we've seen her, the Romulan mm-hmm. commander's costume, up close and real. That that those are knitted. Yes, that somebody you know click click with knitting needles mm-hmm. made those, and in the show. You think there's some funky fabric or metal or something space agey, and it's, no, it's yarn. It's, it's yarn. So funny. So um, that was good, and we, I just did it because it seemed like the right thing to do. The next day, in Mike Sterling's Progressive Ruin, he talked about us, which I thought was great. So he had a post, and the post is titled, 
what I wouldn't have given to have seen this actually happen in a classic Trek episode. And it's a scan from one of the many, many <laughs> Trek comic books. Um, and it's a picture of Kirk and Spock running away from the Eiffel Tower, which is toppling over. Mm-hmm. And Kirk says, the Eiffel Tower, it's toppling. Let's get out of here, Spock. Fast. Spock says, I am highly in agreement, Captain Kirk. As you Earthlings say, let's move it. I love the fact that he says highly in agreement, which makes no sense at all. Um, So he says, not that I have anything against the Eiffel Tower or our French (laughs) friends. I'm just appreciating the sheer Irwin Allen disaster movie vibe of this scene. You know what, though? That would have been a pretty cheap scene to film because you can buy those little Eiffel Towers. So then he talks about a few other things and he says... As, and so long as I'm on a Trek kick, let me point you in the direction of a weblog, weblog podcast, Look at His Butt. Yay! Yes, that's what it's called. I first noticed it in my referral logs one day some time ago and went to investigate. It features two happy young women cheerfully obsessing over the manly manliness of William Shatner. That's us. It's good, fun, silly obsessing, not restraining order obsessing <laughs> from a couple of people who know their Trek stuff. i got to say Mike hit... Nine out of ten of my buttons in that. And the only reason he didn't hit ten out of ten is he's not William Shatner. But, you know, young women, silly obsessing, not, you know, bad kind of obsessing, and that we really know our track stuff. It was awesome. Because you know what I've decided? If it comes to track and we don't know it, it ain't worth knowing. It's probably about Enterprise. That's that's true. <laughs> that is true. So you pointed out there were several really good comments here, and I'll read a couple of them. Um, a woman named Sally P. said... I see nothing wrong with some good-natured ogling of male butts. Yep. Yes, exactly That's right, right Sally P. Um, and um, <laughs> someone else, Philip, said, I do like that Mr. Spock takes a moment to show off his knowledge of earthling aphorisms before he splits the scene. Would it not have been more logical just to run like hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and someone else, Scott Phillips, says, I love how the Eiffel Tower looks like it's about 20 feet tall. <laughs> As you Earthlings say, let's fuck on off out of here. <laughs> so I posted a little note just saying thanks very much yes, for the shout yes. out, which was great. So that was awesome. I want to point out that um, Mike often posts Trek things. And, and one of the, um, well, he posted a couple things recently, <clears throat> excuse me, in the context of his regular comic stuff. And one was um, a review of some toys, because he often looks at the toys that are out. And there was mm-hmm. a... Um, a Kirk doll, one of the many, many Kirk dolls that come out. And it's a quarter-sized Kirk model. And he says, come on, we're one-fourth of the way there. Just go the whole hog, man. Life-size Kirk <gasps> figure. It's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, well, yeah, he's right. You know, I mean, a quarter-sized Kirk model is about a foot and a half high. It's true. Now, he also posted underneath that um, the new TOS uh, tricorder that they're selling, which is actually a pretty nice-looking replica. Yeah, it's a very nice-looking lunch bag. And he says it lights up, and it features sound effects from the show. When I was a kid, I had one of these, the old-style model, mm-hmm. which I think I also had. It only sort of looked like the tricorder from the show, but it was also a functioning tape recorder. Oh, I didn't have that. Oh. And therefore, a heck of a lot more useful than this newer prop replica. Though, hmm, maybe you can replace that monitor with a video iPod, which can also give you improved sound playback. Maybe that can be a summer project for some of you more industrious kids out there. And if you make it steampunk, it'll get you on Boing Boing. <laughs> totally true. See, maybe Greg would do that. Well, I was going to say you who made the um, uh, the lightsaber dildo. <laughs> You're like the artsy craftsiest person I know. It's true. Well, maybe 
Greg and I could make that a project. Um, and then his post for Wednesday, April 23rd, was entitled A Whole Lot of Shatner Going On. And what he did was just a whole bunch of scans from many different Star Trek comic books over the years to show how different artists have drawn Captain Kirk. And mm-hmm. it's very funny to see them all lined up one next to each other. So you can go there to see these great. And he picked some of the funniest ones that were there. Of course. Including one from um, one of the Star Trek manga where um, Kirk looks pretty badly drawn, and his line of dialogue, so over his intercom, Spock here, Captain, I have found the same situation here on the cargo deck. And Kirk says, any change in the sarcophagus? <laughs> I think that should become like one of those catchphrases where, you know, means. yeah, you know, you just, you just throw it in. I like the next one, though. Oh, so it's Kirk talking to um, the, what the hell is this guy's name? I oh, it's a person? Yeah, this is, he's from the animated series. Oh, well, I oh, don't know. I, know I thought it was just an ugly alien. No, no. The, the you know, the cat woman that Majel voiced was Lieutenant Mress, and this mm-hmm. guy was navigation, and he has, like, six legs or something. I can't remember his name. Yeah, he was animated. How, how, did they have to make him special pants? I don't special remember. Special uniforms? I think so, and, and James Doohan did his voice. Oh. And so Kirk's talking to him and says, I owe you an apology. <laughs> God only knows for what. <laughs> I thought it was because he insulted this ugly, this butt ugly uh, alien. I, don't know. I wish I could remember his name. It's right there on the tip <laughs> of my brain. Anyway, so there you go. So that was just um, some fun stuff that we wanted to share with you. Guys. Yeah. Now I have one more thing I wanted to talk about, and and this is sort of a um, a thing that sounded really cool, but then it turned out not to be. Oh, well, that's bad then. So I'm pretty sure that um, this referral to this thing that I didn't know existed came from our friend Jen, who has sent us many oh, okay. emails and, and stuff. And it's called Prometheus Radio Theater. And it's um, some people who are doing radio theater, just like old-style radio right. theater. And they write their original plays, and they act mm-hmm. them out, and they do them. And I haven't listened to them, except for one, which is called The Road to Orion. And I'll read you the description. It says, Jim Kirk, played by Bob Hope, and oh, Spock, no. played by Bing Crosby, oh, no. meet up with the lovely Princess Shalmar, Lucille Ball, and the evil, <laughs> evil Klingon um, Kasim. We don't know who he is, but he's certainly unexpected. In this parody of the classic Lux Radio Theater and the equally classic Road 2 films, recorded live at Farpoint 2008 with special guests Peter David and Mark Oakrand. Okay. Peter David, you know, Star Trek author, comic yes, author, yes. and Mark Oakrand's the guy who invented Klingon. Oh, okay. Um... So I listened to it, mm-hmm. and it's not funny. Oh, I was so disappointed. It's really just not very funny. Good try, though. Yeah. You know, points for effort, but it's just... Oh, that's a shame. I know. The, the setup sounded We're so good. Off on the they the road music. to Orion. Yeah. Oh, wow. They the whole song in there and everything, but the jokes just aren't very funny, and the guys oh. who are playing the, the Hope and Crosby characters aren't very good actors. Oh. And That's a shame because you know what, the the older, the earlier of the road pictures are very, very, very funny, and certainly to throw a Kirk Spock yeah, into the mix. Is, it's a great idea. Oh. And it's just not very funny. So I'm sorry, but I'll put up the link for it anyway. If people want to go listen to it, maybe you'll think it's funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was that funny. I mean, I was I was like I was pulling for it. Yeah, and I wanted it. And you know, it, it reminded me of one thing, which was that um, I have listened to a lot of. I'm sure you have the old, um, you know, Lux Radio Theater mm-hmm. where people like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby really around me on there. And number one, they had great writers. I mean, mm-hmm. those shows were pretty funny. Yes. They had one-liners galore and just funny. Plus, 
the people who were on there were really funny and could mm-hmm. ad lib. Mm-hmm. And people like Bob Hope, you know, you don't think of Bob Hope as a really funny guy. We don't, we, no. We don't, because we've only seen him in bad movies. And, and in those Vietnam Christmas specials. Right. But when he was a young guy and he was allowed to, like, ad-lib on these mm-hmm. shows and interact with other really funny people, he was really fucking funny. And apparently a lot of those road pictures were ad-lib. So it gives you, if you ever have a chance to go listen to those um, radio shows with, with the people mm-hmm. who were the top comedians of the time, they're really funny. Mm-hmm. Really, really funny people. And I don't think you get enough of that these days no. where people are just allowed to be funny. Nope. So, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I felt bad. Yeah. What I had to say wasn't funny. Oh. <laughs> that, that makes me sad. You know what would make me happy, though? Yeah? If, if we could go to the Star Trek roller rink. <gasps> Let's go to the Star Trek. The one that's right next to the, the space, space carnival. carnival. Yeah, and you know when you're at the space carnival and you're sitting there... With your um, Kefarian apple ice cream uh, and your candy just, apple, candy okay. apple, and you just you can hear this music from the roller rink kind of yeah. drifting over yeah. with the the skates going around and yep. this music floating over the top of it. Yeah, that's a very nice summer's evening it sort is. of uh, picture you're painting. Yeah, there. let's go. <laughs> let's go.